So stay tuned. I feel, I see God's angels. I see. Yes, we got God's angels bringing us the word for Sunday worship. get prayed up and hear the word from my special feature preacher hear ye the word organized in chronological order it's organized according to section and genre somewhat similar to the way books are organized in a bookstore. And so Job falls in a place and in a space in scripture that, that we call wisdom literature. Now, if you're from the old school, you, you call it job because that's, that's the book of the Bible you give to somebody when they need one. But uh, Job chapter 1 um, Verses 20 and 21 is where I want to call our attention. I want to invite our intellect there this morning. I'm going to read from the New International Version of the Scriptures. So your version of the Bible may be the same, but the essence of what's being communicated here um, is going to be consistent. Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 20, uh, 21 says, At this Job got up, tore his clothes tore his robe and shaved his head he fell to the ground in worship and said naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised I've used the book of Job in this context before I preached from Job here at Howard but I want to take a look at a different part of the story and I want to tag a different title to this text as we prepare for our discussion today and, and I want to talk to you about surviving stressful seasons is it midterm week? Huh? I want to talk to you about surviving stressful seasons 
as we prepare to go swimming in the pool of this passage, navigate our way through this narrative on today, I want to inform some and remind others of an, the existence of an emotional epidemic that is adversely impacting the lives of most people in culture and many of us who are seated in this sacred space on this morning. It is an epidemic that is invisible and intangible yet undeniable. It is ubiquitous. It is aggressive and it in some degree affects everyone. I am talking about this emotional epidemic called stress. It is indiscriminate. It does not discriminate. It will turn into whatever neighborhood you live in, gated or not. It will jump the gate, find your street, pull into your driveway, walk up to your porch, ring the doorbell, come in uninvited, sit in your living room, go to the kitchen, drink the Kool-Aid, and not even know the flavor. I'm talking about stress the student is stressing about taking the test the teacher stressing about grading it somebody's stressing because they don't like their job someone else is stressing because they can't find one someone is stressing over the wedding and somebody else is stressing over the divorce Somebody's stressing because they can't find the house and somebody that they want and somebody stressing because they can't sell the house that they have Somebody is stressing because they can't stop losing weight. Somebody is stressing because they can't stop gaining. Somebody is stressing because they want children and can't have them. And somebody is stressing because they're struggling to raise the children that they have. All types of people in all types of seasons are struggling with stress. Somebody say stress. Stress. However, 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 I've got some good news. I said I've got some good news. And the good news is this. Although to some degree we will all have stress, the good news is stress does not have to have us. I'm going to say it one more time. That to, although to some degree we all will have stress the good news is stress does not have to have us i believe the book of job contains some practices and some principles that will help us put our stress under arrest and the first practical principle i believe that's contained in this powerful passage here in job is this principle of perspective i believe it's so powerful and profound because job's story is a powerful picture of a reality all of us deal with and questions that all of us have and here it is how can a god that loved me let life keep stressing me This, this book of Job addresses, it is really a book that addresses and it wrestles with the tension of something we call theodicy. How, how can a good God allow bad things to happen? 
to good people. Let's not sanitize the story if you're familiar with Job's narrative and we don't read it properly. God can seem to be insensitive. God can seem to be disconnected. God can seem to be an accessory to the crime of evil. If you believe like I do that God is the ultimate epitome and expression of good, it means he's incapable of evil. It means that whenever evil happens, he does not cause it, but he can redeem it and use it. Yet, if you believe as I do, he's sovereign. He's got ultimate power. Other people have a say, but God's got the final say. Other people have power. God's got ultimate power. If you believe that, then you also have to conclude, well, God, even if you didn't do it, you could have stopped it and you didn't. What's up with this? And I know very often in spaces like this, we don't give ourselves permission to ask those questions. We act as if we don't have those questions and the truth of the matter is with people that I have conversated with who defected from the faith many of them defected from the faith because we didn't have the courage to confront the reality of questions like this so when life happens to them they don't have a perspective that allowed them to be anchored in the midst of a storm and they walk away from a God that they don't believe is who God says that God is because how could a God that loved me let life keep stressing me you could have stopped it but you didn't Part of it is because this issue of perspective that somehow we have leaned so much into certain parts, passages, and segments of scripture that we do not paint a realistic picture of what God says we will ultimately and inevitably deal with in life. Let me paint a picture for us. The Bible says in this world we will have tribulation. That's what God says. He says as long as we have residence in this world, we must be prepared to endure some inconveniences. That's, that's what God says. Number one, that's the case. That's the case because we are imperfect people. And because we are imperfect people, that means we make imperfect choices. And there are some storms, I'm going to see where the honest section is. There are some storms that we go through that are not a result of the enemy. They are a result of the inner me. There are... Where the honest section yes that there are some things that the devil did not do I did it right every decision is pregnant with the potential to produce a season and there are some seasons we walk through because of some decisions we made sometimes we suffer because of me oh yeah I'm imperfect now not only not only is that the case with us we we are imperfect people right but we are also, this is, this is interesting because it is, it is the backside of the blessing of community. We are imperfect people, but secondly, we are impacted by the imperfections of other imperfect people. Oh, yeah. Think about that. That's the backside of the blessing of community. This is, this is the way a wise, a sage named Solomon put it. He says... 
walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. He didn't say, I have to be a fool to be harmed. He said, I just have to hang with them. Because sometimes, is that too honest? Sometimes, sometimes we are impacted by the imperfections of others. We, we become imprisoned by their dysfunction. It, it's, it's the backside of the blessing of community. The same heart that becomes open to love is the same heart that has also opened itself up to injury. Oh yeah, come on. Every parent should have said amen there. Amen. The, 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 the amen. same child that brings you tears of joy amen. can be the same child in another season that brings you tears of heartache Woo. because love makes you vulnerable, not just to pleasure, but to pain. Amen. And amen. sometimes other people happen. You didn't do it, they did Woo. it. Amen. This this happens personally yeah. and it plays itself out in society. Oh, yeah. Come on. That we as a people have been impacted by the imperfections of others. Yeah. People who were in positions of power with views that were not grounded accurately in scripture views of supremacy and segregation and those sinful views became legislated into policies and practices so it is not only sin in the hearts of people it becomes sin that exists in laws and in practices in consciousness sin that exists in the hearts of people that occupy places of power sin that ultimately and inevitably impacts who can go to school where who can get along there how wealth is distributed to certain communities sin impacted by the imperfections of others oh yeah come on preach we happen other people happen yeah this is the tough one because this is oh, yeah. story. come on we're imperfect others are imperfect oh yeah but we also live in an imperfect world oh yes Yes, we got God's angels bringing us the word for Sunday worship. I see God's angels. I see God's angels marching. Oh, I see God's angels marching. Oh, I hear God's angels shouting. Yes, I hear God's angels shouting. Oh, I feel God's angels working. So let's get prayed up and hear the word from my special feature preacher, pastor. Hear ye the word. Over places like the Bahamas and we have no, no, no rational expectation.
explanation as to why it just happened to happen then and there. Why? Because all of creation is groaning and moaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So earthquakes happen and tsunamis happen and hurricanes happen and fires happen and mudslides happen because all of the created order is, is affected by the imperfection that exists in the world. Oh yes. Come so on. sometimes you Shout suffer and the only thing you did God knows. was live in a city. Come on. You just happened to be in a city that got flooded. That's that's all some people did in New Orleans with Come Katrina. On. They just did nothing but live in a city. No, God knows. God knows. Suffering. Why you but I've got good news. Come on. Now I grew up Baptist. When I say, when I do that, you're supposed to say, Amen. Okay. Amen. I got good news. Amen. Yeah, yeah, I, I got good news. See, the, 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 the good news is the Bible does say some suffering that produces stress is inevitable. But that's not all it says. It does say in this world you will have tribulation. But that's not all it says. It says, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. It, it does say many are the afflictions of the righteous. But that's not all it says. It says, but the Lord will deliver them out of them all. It does say weeping may endure for a night. But that's not all it says. It says, but joy will come in the morning. I, I, well, well, maybe you're not feeling that. My grandmama used to say it this way. Trouble don't last always. And is there anybody here oh, yeah. that can testify this morning Amen. when you look back over your life you've had some suffering but in the middle of your oh, suffering yes. you found a savior that came and rescued oh, you yes. and delivered you Amen. and brought you out and brought you Amen. over and brought you through and yes. made a way out of nowhere Amen. and parted red seas oh, yeah. and knocked down Jericho walls. Oh. Is there anybody honest enough to say that I am here today not because I've been good to God, but because God's been good to me. Amen. 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 Been good to me. Oh, yeah. You stressed, but oh, you made it. You cried. But you made it. You were confused. Oh, yeah. But you made it. You didn't know how you were going to make oh, it. Yeah. But you made it. Oh, because yeah. the Bible is clear that oh, yes. you and God have a different set of eyes. Amen. Amen. God knows. That you can be looking at the uh, same thing amen. and not see the same thing. Oh, yeah. The Bible says in the book of John, there was oh, a man yes. by the name of Lazarus who had died. And Jesus told his disciples, oh, Lazarus yeah. is sleeping. Because what looks dead to you oh, is yes. just sleeping to God. Oh, Did you hear oh, what yes. I just said? I said some oh, stuff yes. you think is dead. God's like, all I got to do is say his oh, name and I'm going to wake it up. Amen. Because we don't see things the Come way on. God sees things. Come on now. There's a man by the name of the Amen. Apostle Paul who had a thorn in his flesh. Come on. He said, God, I want you to remove it. Oh, yes. <laughs> and God looked at it. He said, you know what? The devil sent it. I allowed it. But now that I look at what it's doing in you, I like it. The devil sent it, I allowed it. But now that I look at what it's producing in you, I like it. So instead of altering it, I'm going to give you grace to endure it. My grace is sufficient. Because Paul, you're saying, I've never been worse. And God's like, that's if you look at it from one angle. 
He said, but if you look at it from another angle, you've never been better. Paul's like, Lord, I've never been in this much pain. And God's like, Paul, you've never been in this much prayer. Paul's like, God, I've never been this stressed. God's like, Paul, you've never been this spiritual. Come on now. Amen. Come on. Paul's like, God, I've never been this burdened. And God's like, Paul, you've never been in your Bible like this. Good news is the gospel's not a gospel of avoidance. It's a gospel of overcoming. God will help you overcome. And we got the testimony of scriptures that corroborate my claim. And we got the testimony of our ancestors that corroborate that claim. That we will not avoid everything. But what God does not allow us to avoid, God will give us grace to overcome. (laughs) Because if God be for you, who can be against you? Is there anybody here that knows he's more than the world against you? He was more than slavery. He was more than Jim Crow. Come on, talk to me, somebody. If God be for you, he's more than the world against you. So since it's inevitable. Now listen, in my church, I preach 25 minutes because we got multiple services. I'm I'm going longer with you, so I'm giving you 30. I got eight minutes left. Here it is. Come on, man. Come on. Preach, preach. Here it is. Come on. Here it is. So here's the question. Pastor Darius, if... It is inevitable. If I'm going to have stress, what practically can I do besides prayer? Come on. (laughs) Which is often the religious answer that's given when we don't have an answer. Come on. (laughs) What can I do practically besides prayer when I'm in stressful seasons? How do I survive them? Yes. So that I come out better oh, and yes. not bitter. Yes. How can I survive them so that I don't have to medicate myself with unhealthy substances or unhealthy relationships yeah. or self-sabotaging activity so that I don't have to send bored texts yes. to bad people to get my mind off this stress? Come on. Come on, yeah. yeah, amen. Come on. How can I, how can I manage this in a healthy way? Cause I'm, I know how to manage it. Come on. I've got ways I've been managing it. Preach. But I probably need some more healthy ways. Yep. Come on, preach. To manage this, ways to manage stress that yes. won't make me regret it in the morning. Come on, yes. Preach. What? what here it is these are three things I see in Job's narrative and I won't I won't go through the narrative there are three things I see in Job's narrative that I believe can help us alright are you ready for them number one Job who managed a stressful season I believe his story teaches us number one we read it number one first thing we gotta do is we gotta master weeping We read it. It's in the text. The text says he tore his robe, which was a sign of mourning. It means that Job was emotionally 
honest with God about what he was feeling. Amen. Come on. And this is what I've learned. I've learned this. I've been reading. I've been reading the Psalms and um, Reverend reading this book on the on the Psalms and uh, it's called the cry of the soul. And the writer is looking at the Psalms and pulling out the emotional honesty of David. And I am surprised at how honest he was with God about what he was feeling and how we try to sanitize our thoughts before the Savior because we assume he don't know what we feeling. He know you mad. Tell him. <laughs> yeah, I started reading stuff. David would say stuff like, I'm tired of everybody. This is the Daniels version. He said, I'm tired of everybody. He said, I'm tired of everybody. I'm so tired of everybody. If I had wings like a dove, he said, I'd fly away and I'd be at rest. He said, I'd just leave my phone. I would turn it off and I would leave and I wouldn't tell anybody where I've gone because I'm tired of people making withdrawals from me and not making deposits. I'm tired of people wanting Amen. me to be there for them and they're never there for me. I'm tired Amen. of the only time the phone rings, you're giving me these preliminary pleasantries and I'm waiting on you to get around to what you're getting ready to ask me because you never call me unless you're asking me for something. He says if I had wings like a dove, I'd just fly away. And I'd be at rest. It was emotional honesty. Yes. When he dealt with betrayal, he did not allow pride to cause him to act as if he had not suffered emotional injury. He would say stuff to God like, I'm mad. I can show you some stuff that David said in the Psalms. And you would not believe that God called him a man after his own heart after he said it. David would say stuff like, he said, I want my enemies to go to the pit of Sheol. See, yeah, yeah, he, said, he said, he would say stuff like, he was, when he don't betray, he would say, now, if it was my enemy that betrayed me, Come on. he said, I could handle it. Yeah. He says, but he said, but it was you. He said, we went to chapel together. That's what he said. He said, we broke bread together. He said, the injury hurt worse when it came from a source I didn't expect. He's honest with God. But then, in those moments of honesty, Come on. you will see a space in the Psalms yes. for the musical interlude, the pause for reflection, the Selah. And if you read what comes before the Selah and compare it to what comes after the Selah, you'll see distinction in tone and in tenor. Because it's something about the pause that allowed God to intervene in the emotional space in David's heart that needed to be addressed. See, because he won't heal it, God won't heal it if we hide it. Okay? And, and, so, and so he'll be talking one way at the top of the psalm. And then after the Selah, David will say things like, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And you're my glory and the lifter of my head. Because if we're willing to reveal, God is willing to heal. Weep. What does it mean? Not cry. If you choose to do so, fine. Be emotionally honest. Oh, yeah. God, I'm overwhelmed. 
God, I'm stressed. Yes. God, I'm tired. I'm tired. God, I don't like these people and yes. they have my last name. Come on. Come on. Come on. God, I love my fraternity. I love Ooh. my sorority. Yeah. But after this chapter meeting, I'm tired because everybody show up at the party and nobody shows up to the community service project. Come on. Maybe that was just my chapter. I'm old school. Maybe that's just, y'all don't deal with that. Weep. Weep. David was a man after God's own heart because his heart was pure. Job had a pure heart because it was an empty heart. He weeped. That's number one. Okay, number two. Job teaches us not only to weep, Job teaches us if we're going to survive stressful seasons, we need to weed. We got to master weeding. Who did Job have to weed? Some of his friends. If you're familiar with the story, you remember right in the middle of his suffering, his friends all of a sudden got a word from the Lord. Y'all remember that? Yeah, God is telling me to tell. No, he's not telling you to tell me nothing. God is telling me to tell you that you need to fix your life. Something's wrong. You can't you can't be experiencing this without there be some error in error, being some error in your life. Ethically, something is inconsistent, something is going wrong. And Job's friends were stressing him more. Mm-hmm. And I believe their inability to be sensitive to his season of stress was a revelation that they are not friends, they are associates. Okay. Now I've got a book coming out in January where I talk about all of that, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give this to you right now. Listen to this, because the Bible says a friend, listen to this, sticks closer than a brother. It says a friend is born for adversity. I don't believe, I don't believe a friend's commitment is revealed until there's crisis. I don't believe crisis change a relationship. I believe crisis expose a relationship. I don't even really know if you're going to be there for me until it's hard for you to be there for me. Until it's unpopular for you to be there for me. Anybody can be there for me when it is easy and popular to be there for me. But many people's stress, stressful seasons, aren't managed in a healthy way. Oh, yeah. Because they haven't mastered the art of weeding. They don't realize that there are times when you confuse selfishness with stewardship. It's not selfishness to say, I've got to steward the condition of my own soul in this season. It's not selfishness to say, the weight that I am carrying in my personal life in this season makes me unavailable to carry yours too. And some people's stress is made worse. Let me see where the honest section is. Because sometimes stress walk into your life on two legs. Time is up. Number three, Job did some weeding. And number three, Job did some worshiping. It's all in the text. 
it says that Job, as he tore his robe, he went down and worshipped. Now this, upon face value, sounds like religious rhetoric. Sounds like church colloquialisms. Just, you know, give God praise. Yes. But two years ago during my sabbatical, I spent the entire month and I studied the human mind. Okay. It has to take place for a person to change. Does that make sense? <clears throat> yeah. So, so, so I spent the, the whole time for my own sake, personally and also pastorally, studying the mind. And so I came across this concept called mindfulness. Come on. And, and as I thought about where I might see this in scripture, I thought about Paul's letter to the believers in Philippi, where he is in essence talking about peace. He is in essence telling them to practice mindfulness. He's basically saying, you don't pray your way into peace. He's saying you think your way into peace. So he tells them, Whatever is good, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Is that what he says? And then he says, when you think on these things, then this is what will happen. Then the peace of God that passes all understanding will rule in God in your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? Pastor, what does it have to do with worship? Here it is. Worship, which means to express worth, requires mindfulness. Praise requires mindfulness. <laughs> Praise requires that I get my mind off the largeness of my situation and put my mind on the largeness of my God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is the way they said it in the churches I grew up in. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God, for saving me. It says I start thinking. And then I start thinking. And I start thinking. And I start thinking some more. And the more I think, the more I think. And the more I think, the more I start thinking. And the more I think, the more I think. And the more I think, the more I think. Is there anybody here that's made up your mind? That I can't keep dwelling on the largeness of my problem. And I gotta start focusing on the bigness of my God. Because the same God that did it for Job. Oh, yes, the Lord. same God that did it for Joseph. Yes, the same God that did it for Jonah. Oh, yeah. The same God that did it for Jesus oh. is the same God Thank that Lord. will do it for me. Oh yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Because God wants me to survive these stressful seasons because although I may have some stress the stress does not have to have me Job said the good Lord gives the 
good Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In other words, no matter what it is, it doesn't change who God is. I will survive. Put your hands together and give God praise. I think, I think we can do better than that. We can read to praise some stress away. Yes, Lord. In the chapel this morning. Come on. You've been listening to a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship service at Andrew Rankin Memorial Chapel on the campus of Howard University. To purchase a copy of today's Rankin Chapel program, please contact the Howard University Bookstore at 202-238-2640. This has been a public affairs presentation of 96.3 WHUR. 96.3 WHUR. Oh, yes. That was Reverend Dr. Darius Daniels. Thank you, Lord.